My name is Jordan. I've had a teeny tiny small opportunity to meet a few of you here today. And I want to start out by uh, giving a big thank you uh, to Pastor Jeremy for giving this opportunity uh, to preach with you guys. I don't take it lightly. And I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to you guys because you guys are stinking awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause for being awesome. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, So let me tell you a little bit about myself. To kind of help you guys, you know, learn a little bit more about me. First, usually when I get up to speak in front of a crowd, my neck or face will turn scary red. It's hereditary. Happens to my brother. Happens to my dad. Happens to me. I'm okay. Let's just roll with it. Deal? Deal. Secondly, I love puns. Does anybody like a good pun in here? Would you like to hear some of my favorites? Did you guys hear about the guy who got his entire left side of his body cut off? (sighs) Did you guys see the clown that was opening the door for everybody as they came in today? I thought it was a nice gesture. My favorite one. You want to hear my favorite one? Did you guys hear about the butcher that backed into his meat grinder? The butcher that backed into his meat grinder? He got a little behind in his work. That's bad. I'm sorry. I should have ran that by Pastor Jeremy first. That was... uh But honestly, what I want to do is I I want to talk to you guys. I want to tell you a little bit about myself before we get into tonight's message. Because I think tonight's message really reflects a lot about how I live my life and the things I used to do and the person I am now. And I think maybe through this that some of you guys are going to catch catch something awesome about God today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you my testimony. How many of you guys know what's so amazing about a testimony? It's fact. It's something that really happened. Your testimony is what God has done in your life. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you go through life, you are going to run into people that will want to refute your faith. They'll want to tell you that God doesn't exist. And they're going to to tell you why the Bible isn't accurate. And they're going to pull out big names like Dawkins and Hawkins and all these people. And they're going to be trying to explain to you why why God isn't real. And they're going to make all these great and wonderful fancy pants points. Awesome. But let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what actually happened in my life that they can't refute. I was born and raised right here in Kansas City, Missouri. Went to St. Luke's United Methodist Church right at Bannister and James A. Reed, if any of you guys know where that is. Been in church all my life. When I kind of got into junior high, where are my junior hires at? I'll see, they kind of, uh, okay. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> When I got into about junior high age, I became this teenager, right? And the amazing thing about being a teenager is you begin to define who you are. You know, your parents are giving you more freedom. You get to, you get to start, to, you know, saying, well, this is who I am. I get to choose this. And as I became this teenager, I began to question my faith. I began to have a lot of questions about God. What do I believe? Why do I believe this? And the more questions I asked... I really didn't get any decent answers. Nothing really solidified, you know, nothing was really well with my soul, if that makes sense. You know, they they were just kind of these blanket, well, because the Bible tells me so, type answers. I I wasn't really jumping on board with any of it. Add on to that, in junior high, I started to get bullied a lot at school. And uh, it wasn't like they stuck my head in a toilet or shoved me into a locker. It was nothing like that. But it was kind of verbal bullying. And this is what was so crazy. This is what's so crazy looking back at it. Now, 
it happened so long. I mean, up even into high school, every day you go to this place and it's these two or three guys that just verbally abuse you. You're their punching bag. And I just take it and I laugh with them. Ha, 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 you guys are hilarious. But in reality, it was hurtful. And I began to believe what they were saying about me. How messed up is that? So pair this, this young man who's getting bullied at school, who's questioning his faith about a God who's loving and kind and wants the best for him, right? And so what do you end up with? A guy that's ready to give it all up. And so I'm going to tell you the day, the day I stopped believing in God. I was in social studies class. The teacher hands out a test, and I was not going to pass this test. Have you guys been there? Yeah, okay. I was like, there's no way. I don't, know what, I don't know what this test is about. I didn't study for any of this. And I gave God an ultimatum. I said, okay, God, if you help me pass this test, because that would be a miracle. Okay, I'm talking five loaves and fish miracle, okay? If you help me pass this test, then I'll believe in you, okay? We may still struggle. We may, may have to work this out. But at least give me this, and I'll believe in you. So I take the test, turn it in. A week later, give the test back, F. I failed it. I failed the test, and God failed me, and I said, cool. That's it, bro. We're done. And I stopped. I stopped believing. I didn't stop believing in God. I just didn't care. If he existed, great. If he didn't, whatever. I was going to live for me. And so for many, many years, I began to live my life doing whatever made Jordan happy. And do you know how happy that made me? (laughs) It didn't. I was miserable. And so I lived my life going in, like, into college living this way. And then one day, I met this beautiful young lady, my wife, Melissa Bree. She wasn't my wife at the time. That'd be weird. <laughs> but I met her, and she was cute, and she was good-looking, and we started dating. And she was like, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And I was like, hey, you're cute. No problem. And so I started going to church. And that, that, ladies, that's a bad evangelism technique. Don't, don't date dudes to get them in church. That's not, this is the exception to the rule, Okay. So we started dating. We started going to church. And it was, it was an Assemblies of God church, just like this church. It was an AG church, Crown Points AG, uh, the church I started going to. The amazing thing about the Assemblies of God is they're real, man. I mean, they get real with the gospel. And they say, hey, you're a sinner, and it's not working out for you. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you that way. And he wants to pull you out of that and give you a better life. And I started hearing that message for the first time. I actually evaluated, Jordan, is this really working for you? Is this, are you happy now that you're making yourself happy? And I had to say no. I was now weaker than I was before. I thought living for myself, I'd become stronger, and I'd make my own decisions, I'd do my own things. But I was weak. I couldn't stand up for nothing. And so one time they, they gave an altar call, and I raised my hand. And from that day forward, my life was completely different. I've loved it ever since. Me and my wife started helping out in the youth ministry there. Uh, eventually the youth, the youth leader left and kind of left this void. So I stepped up and then my, uh, the pastor at the time was like, Hey Jordan, why don't you start taking classes, go to school to become a licensed minister? Uh, so I did that. And, um, ever since man, I've been on this amazing, amazing journey with God. Now I say all that, that is my testimony. That's a true story. No one can take that away from me. Not even you. Don't try. So let's get into tonight's message. Can I, can I, can I pray real quick, guys, and then we'll, then we'll dive right in. Father God, thank you again so much um, for this night, God. Uh, not a night where I, just, I get to stand up and, and, and tell stories and, and do things, but God, a night that you set apart for these young people. God, tonight's not about me or uh, about, about anything other than you. So God, I pray right now that I would just 
uh, step aside, God, and let you take over, that my words would only reflect your words. And God, I pray for the hearts and the minds and the ears of the young people here today that they would be ready to receive, God, just, just a little bit more of you. In your heavenly name, amen. So Halloween uh, is just around the corner, and your fall festival is just around the corner. Who's excited for that? Yes. That's going to be a blast and a half. And uh, I had to kind of laugh because my message today is kind of the anti-Halloween message. Now, I'm not anti-Halloween. If you want to give me candy, I'm down for it. All right? I will stick in some fake vampire teeth if I get some Reese's Pieces. Okay? But Halloween, you know, it's kind of these skeleton, cobweb, ghouls and ghosts kind of holiday, right? Well, today, I want to preach you a message about living alive. Living alive. Alive, And that can kind of sound a little redundant because you would think, well, if you're living, then you're alive. But what if that's just something that we've come to believe? That by living that you're alive. What if in reality you can be living but dead? Now, it's common knowledge that fads kind of come and go. You know, things get popular and then things get not popular, okay? Um, Like how many Britney Spears fans do we have? Rex. <laughs> That's because Rex comes from a different generation. Okay, if I would ask that question, like, was it 15 years ago or whatever, like, eh, like all the girls, you know, bad, they say, you know, popularity comes and go. And I think uh, Hollywood and media has, has a lot to do with that. And so for a while there, you know, what was really popular was pirates, you know, talk like a pirate day and all that, uh, especially around the time that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were coming out, right? Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow, right? Yeah, okay. Then that kind of came and went, and then all of a sudden, it was vampires and werewolves in the twilight. Team Edward? Huh? Team Jacob? Yeah, okay. So that, that came and went. And let's be honest, guys. Can we be honest? Ninjas? Timeless. Okay, they never go out of style. Okay. But right now, right now, what's really popular, now I think it's kind of dying off. Just if, you just a you know, little, little insider information. I think, I think this is kind of leaving the scene. But zombies. Very popular right now. We have an entire, you know, uh, Walking Dead is on its, like, 100th season or whatever. We have movies. Seventh, okay. All right. I was, it was an exaggeration. I didn't think it, okay. World War Z movie. What would it be like if the zombie apocalypse were really happen? Now, we have a saying for zombies. We have a saying for zombies. We call them the what? The living? The walking. We call them the living dead. They walk around blindly, only concerned with feeding their cravings. They're, they're out of control of their actions. They move from one desire to the next, never stopping, never being satisfied. Tonight, I want you guys to realize that we were all the living dead at one point, And maybe you still are. And I want you to realize that... that you move in and around zombies every single day at your school, at your work, in your neighborhoods, in your friends, in your little cliques. You're walking around zombies. And I want you to know that you guys have been given the power to live a life that is alive today. That you can live alive in a dying world. So let's get into some scripture here today. What does it mean to live alive? 
let's get down into some scripture and kind of build a foundation. Well, what does it mean to live a lot? Do I need to put the microphone close to my mouth? I'm sorry. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, if you got your Bibles, pull them out. If you don't, that's cool. We got the words, we got the words behind us. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start right in verse 1. It says, as for you, everybody say me. Okay. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler in the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is epic. You ready? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It was by grace that you have been saved. Can you do me a favor? Can you go back one slide? I know I'm throwing you guys through it, but I apologize. So right from the get-go, right from the get-go, the, um, the author here, kind of throws this, this, this juxtaposition. He says, you were dead in your sins in which you used to live. You were dead, but you were living. So many of us are dead, even though we're living. So many of my wasted years, I lived trying to satisfy my flesh. I craved happiness and fulfillment, a longing to be accepted, a longing to be loved. And I would do anything to make people like me. And I'd feel so alone because all of my relationships were just skin deep. I was living, but I was dying. Day after day, there are teenagers just like you who wake up, go through the motions, struggle with that emptiness, lose hope, and die a little more. But because of his great love for us, God made us alive in Christ. This was a huge turning point for me. When I accepted Christ into my life, I no longer looked for my identity in what other people were telling me. I no longer listened to people who would spit on me rather than give me the time of day. I stopped listening to them and I started listening to the guy that created me. What a novel idea. Wouldn't that be fantastic if we started to believe? If, if somebody created you, wouldn't it be a great idea to listen to them say who you are? Wouldn't that be fantastic to get your guidance and your direction from the person who has a purpose and a plan for your life? That was huge for me. How many of you guys would say that you're a, a thrill seeker? Hmm? Show of hands? Yes. I definitely fall into this category. I, de- I love doing things that really get you. Roller coasters, you know. Does anybody like, do you guys like roller coasters? Okay. Um, I'm the kind of guy, I, I, love, I love to look down from super high heights. 
Does that jack, does that jack anybody up? Can, you, can people not do that? I remember one time, um, my, uh, uh, my church, we, we went to the Royals game. And you know when the church buys tickets to the Royals game, you're going to be way up in the nosebleed. Okay? So we were way up in the nosebleed. And uh, me and my friend Jeff, we were outside the stadium, kind of facing the parking lot. You know, so rather than being inside, we were outside the stadium. And I remember going to the edge and, like, hanging over and looking down into, like, the little patio area at the very bottom and seeing all the people, teeny tiny, like, walking around like this. And my buddy Jeff, he came over, and this is no joke. He came over, and he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. That makes me sick to look down there. He was about to puke up his penis and Cracker Jacks. I'm not, he, that freaked him out so bad. But I was like, dude, this is awesome. How often do you get to see the world from this perspective? Or one of the most exciting things I ever did, I went skydiving. That was fun. That was fun. I've wanted to do that since I was a kid. You know when, when people ask, hey, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And there's a kid's like, a firefighter. I want to be a doctor. My, my, you ask my mom, I would tell people, I want to be a stuntman. I want to drive a car 90 miles an hour, roll out of it before it falls off a cliff, and then someone go, here's a paycheck for doing that. That was, that was me. And so I went skydiving one time. That was incredible. The first 30 seconds of free fall were just, I mean, the most exil like you never feel anything like this in your life. And then the chute opens, and it's like this really boring 15-minute float down to the earth. And I was like, oh, ready to get off this ride. <laughs> but I love it. It gets my heart going, gets my adrenaline pumping, and it makes me feel alive. But that's kind of like physically, you know? Physically, my heart's going, all this kind of stuff. The awesome thing about a relationship with Christ is he makes you feel alive spiritually because he's going to take you on adventures. He's not calling you to live a life of warming a chair in the main auditorium. Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it to the full. I want you to look at the calling of Matthew. Remember Matthew? He was a disciple, right? His name was Levi also. Do you remember what Matthew was before he became a disciple? Oh, it was over here. What? Luke, do you know the answer? He was a tax collector. You're right, man. Good job. He was a tax collector. Guess what? Nobody liked him. Nobody liked the tax collector. Why? Because the coming they would collect taxes to give a government that was oppressing them. That's not great. And chances are he was probably charging them more than they owed and then skimming off the top. So people knew this guy. And they didn't like him. And so every day, imagine every day going to work and people hate you. This is Matthew's life every single day. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And do you guys remember in Scripture, Luke, do you remember in Scripture the big lofty speech that Jesus gave to Matthew, told him about all the money and fame he was going to make by being a disciple? Do you remember that? No, because it didn't happen. That, that, no, don't, don't anybody be like, yes, I know. You don't. It, didn't, it never happened. Jesus said all of two words to this guy. Follow me. That was it. And Matthew left it all behind. That's all it took. Matthew was sick of living a life that was dying. He was ready for adventure. And what an adventure he got to go on. He got to see the miracles. He was there for the teachings. He was there for the healings. He was there when Christ rose. That's an epic adventure. And that's what Christ has in store 
for you. He's going to make you alive by sending you on adventures. We also become alive when God sets us free from what's killing us. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Have any of you ever found yourselves trapped in a situation that you wish you could just get out of? And you're kind of in the middle of this thing, and you're kind of like, hey, I'm just going to... But you can't. (laughs) You're stuck in the middle of something. You guys have been there, right? Real quickly, I remember my friend uh, Tim and I, um, we were assigned to go accept an award from a uh, district school council meeting. Does that sound more boring? A district school council meeting. And uh, so we go there to accept this award, and they gave out a few awards, and we were the first one, so we go up, and, you know, of course, you're like, oh, thank you so much. It was our honor to, you know, paint the classrooms, and, you know, thank you for this piece of paper. We really appreciate it. And so me and my friend, we go, and we sit down. And then they give out another award to another guy that painted a mural and another award for a kid that made a poem or whatever. And then they give out all these awards, and they're like, okay, is there any old business we have to talk about? And the little... District council people are like, no, no, old business. Okay, new business. And they start getting into this new business meeting. And like after about 20 minutes, we're kind of like, this is weird. We're like in the middle of a business meeting, just hanging as two, two random dudes in the middle of this meeting. And we're like, gee, where are the other people that got awards? And we look around, and they're gone. You're supposed to take the award and leave. Like, that's it. You're done. Thanks for coming, right? Well, we didn't know that. And so now we're in the middle of this very important, long, boring business meeting. And it goes on and on and on and on. And because we're grown-ups, we have to act like grown-ups. And we're like, oh, And it was terrible. The thing was, we were powerless to leave. Because to leave, it would have literally been two dudes being like, just going to sneak out here. Okay, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, okay, okay. You can't do that. You're a grown-up. Teenagers, you can do that. You can get away with that. They just think, ah, they're a teen. We're grown-ups. We can't do that. We're stuck in this meeting forever. We are powerless to leave this meeting. I don't know where I was going with that story. I, there, I had a point somewhere in there. <laughs> if your parents ask, you learn something today. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> We're all born sinners. Hopefully this isn't news to you guys, but if it is, uh, bad news. We're all born sinners. God's word tells us that sin leads to death. And as an unbeliever, you're a slave to sin. It is a sin that causes us to walk around aimlessly like zombies, trying to satisfy our flesh, but nothing satisfies. So we go from one thing to the next to the next in an attempt to fill that God-shaped void in our lives. And we're trapped. We're powerless against it. And it's killing us we're the living dead and i've seen it played out in people's lives they'll put on a smile they'll pretend they're fulfilled they'll they'll pretend like yes this is what brings me joy this is what makes me happy and then you know what they do they say hey you should come join me because this makes me so happy do you know why they do that because misery loves company and if enough dead people can get together and convince themselves that they're happy 
and convince themselves, yes, this is what we want. This is what's going to fulfill us. Well, then maybe they'll begin to believe that they're alive. If enough dead people come together and say, yep, this is it. Well, maybe they'll start believing their own lies. Maybe that feeling of emptiness will go away. But it doesn't. Fortunately, for all of you here today, you have had the opportunity or you're going to have the opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. And the truth will set you free. Hillsong, you guys sing that song uh, by Hillsong, that this is living now. I get those lyrics. I get those lyrics because I thought I was going to live and be happy doing my own thing. But it, it didn't quite work out that way. And I realized with a relationship with Christ, yeah, this, this is living now. I'd like to finish up by reminding all of you that, um, that now that you're living alive, you need to help others do the same. There's this account um, in God's Word about the demon-possessed man. And he lives in this town, and, and, and he's possessed by these demons. And people tried to restrain him. People tried to keep him under control, but he had like this crazy Hulk-like strength, and he kept breaking out of these shackles and breaking out of these chains. No one could bind him, God's Word says. And so they kind of relegated him to these tombs or what, you know, kind of what we'd say like a graveyard. And that's where he lives. That's where crazy old Gary lives, right? And he's there and he's crazy and he's naked and he's cutting himself. Like he's lost it, man. And that's just what it is. This is the world these people live in is that crazy guy lives over in the tombs. Well, one day Jesus, Jesus shows up. And through a bit of dialogue, I encourage you guys, go, go read the story, kind of refresh yourselves on this one. Through a bit of a dialogue, Jesus casts out these demons. And then all the people of this town come to see, well, what's all the hubbub about? What, what's the big deal? And they find this guy, crazy old Gary. They find this guy in his right mind, sane. And he's dressed. And he's normal. And Jesus is like, okay, well, my work here is done. The reason I came to this spot, it's kind of interesting. As you read God's word, he shows up there, does this, and then leaves. Like That was, that was his main purpose for being there. As he's getting ready to leave, the guy that he healed, the guy that he, he cast all these demons out, I was like, no, no, Jesus, take me with you. Like, you did this amazing thing for me. Take me with you. And I want you to see what Jesus tells him. Mark five nineteen. It says, Jesus did not let him, meaning Jesus didn't, didn't let him go with them. But he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And now he has had mercy on you. At the beginning of this message, I said that every day you walk in and around the living dead, at your schools, at your homes, at your jobs, in your own circle of friends. There are people just like you, but they're not alive. They're searching. They're craving. But how will they know if you don't tell them? God does the saving. That's the hard part. You can't do that. You couldn't do it for yourself. You can't do it for anybody else. The actual saving grace is for God to do alone. But he's asked you to go back to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. You can do it. Break past your fears, just like Pastor Jeremy talked about last week. Break past your fears of the living dead and do it. Save your friends. 
See, some of you in here may not know about bullying. Some of you may not, you know, that hasn't happened to you, so that doesn't resonate with you. But I know for a fact that some of you in here today and your friends are doing things that you know are wrong. And something in you says, don't do those things. Don't go to those places. Don't be with them. Don't participate in that. But then something in you says, but I don't want to lose them. I don't want them to talk about me. I don't want them to think something about me. So I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing. And I'm telling you right now, it's just going to kill you more. But you have the ability to live a life and you have the ability to give them life also. I didn't know what true freedom is. I didn't know what true freedom was until I found Christ. That relationship made me alive. I don't ever want you guys to think that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations. That a relationship with Christ is just going to kill the fun out of anything. I'm telling you now, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. God did that for me. He's going to do that for you as well. You can have more joy and laughter with more people now than you ever had when you were living for yourself. Don't be afraid to embrace God's plan for you and live a life that is alive. I'm going to ask you guys to, to bow your heads for just a moment because I want to speak to you individually. And you may think, ah, oh, you're, you're talking to everybody. No, no, no. If your head's bowed and your eyes closed and you're hearing my words right now, I'm talking specifically to you. I would, I would hate to leave tonight without relating to some of you who are relating to me, who, who've been there, who, who are, who are <laughs> you know that feeling of being empty. You know that feeling of being alone. You know that feeling, I have friends, but I have nobody. You know that feeling of emptiness that you've been trying to fill. You, you've been trying to do things to, to make you happy, to fill that void, but nothing seems to be working. I would hate to leave here tonight and not give you an opportunity that I had to finally live a life, to finally live under an authority who knows me, who loves me, who wants the best for me. It's true. It's all true. Everything I was searching for when I was younger, when I was your guys' age, it's all true. So with all of your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to do this. If that's you tonight, if, if you want that opportunity to live a life, I just want you to, to look up and catch, catch my eyes. That way you're not raising your hand, you're not bumping into your neighbor. Absolutely. I've had a few eyeballs catch my eyeballs. So, I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. If you, you caught eyes with me, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And I want you to know that this can be the start of a brand new night for you. Nothing will ever be the same. God's telling you right now, this moment, this opportunity, you're making a stand. You're ready to believe who he says that you are. You are ready to believe that you are alive. And as I say this prayer, I want everyone in this room to say this prayer with me. That way they don't feel isolated. They don't feel like, uh, you know, it's just them. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. I believe that you died on a cross for me. 
I'm asking you to come into my life and make me alive. Forgive me for filling my life with things that don't matter, with things that go against you. Help me live today, Father God, for you. And help me understand who you created me to be. In your heavenly name, amen.